As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 210 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, I have trivia for you. Which mm. Hall of Fame outfielder hit 210 for the 1964 Giants? Mm, 1964 Giants Hall of Fame outfielder. Oh, boy. Hmm. I can't think that it was Orlando Cepeda. Um, no. hmm. Wow, that's a tough one. Uh, somebody who probably got traded. Um, I I don't know. I think I. Boy, the Giants have traded away a lot of really good players. Like you know, I think of like Gary Maddox, people like that. But you know, they didn't become Hall of Famers. Okay, lay it on me. What do you got? It is Giants legend Duke Snyder. Oh, wow. See, I was thinking beginning of career, not end of career. That's what I should have been thinking. Wow. I just forget. I know. For some reason, it just tickles the heck out of me that one Marichal was on the Dodgers and Duke Snyder was on the Giants. I just love that symmetry. It's uh, it's beautiful. It's it's like the two players who swapped wives, except uh, it was franchises. <laughs> other other Giants legends, uh, Kirk Casale last year, Brett Pill in 2012 when he got a ring, uh, Jose Vizcaino in 2006 when he played a lot of first base for some reason, uh, Johnny Lamaster in 1976, Kurt Manwaring in 89, just a ton of Giants legends, hit 210, and the entire 2022 Giants, uh, I think, are close to 210. What do you think? Ooh, well, I mean, you know, if, if you're Mario Mendoza, that's aspirational. So, um, you know, there's that. Man, what do you want to talk about with these old giants? Hey, I got good news for you. What you got? They didn't lose yesterday. I saw that. I was tickled about that as well. That is just a, a fantastic news. They're on yeah. the trending in the right direction. Because they didn't play. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's Obviously, you know, it was another series where they got swept. They were all one-run losses uh, to the Padres at home. And, 
you know, I I think they're competing well. They don't look like a team that's given up. They look like a team that's very daunted. I think they know, you know, the die has been cast, and it's not even worth mentioning where they are in the playoff picture anymore. And in a way, I think getting swept by the Padres was probably the not not a bad thing. It might even be a good thing because it could finally allow them to just turn the page on the season and say, okay, September is going to be a month unto itself. We're going to go out there and just compete and have fun. And, um, you know, and the, the, the guys who've been grinding really hard maybe don't have to grind so hard and they can take a step back. Um, and, uh, you know, they can bring up some other people. We know they can't bring up the world because they only have two extra spots or the roster can expand. Um, but they can make different decisions and, and decisions that are maybe a little more development driven and try to you know just, I don't know, have a little more enthusiasm and, and not think about every loss and how it impacts um, a playoff picture that is becoming gloomier and gloomier. So I don't know, maybe it'll end up being a good thing that they got swept. Yeah, you know, on August 1st, I was thinking, okay, so what are you going to look forward to in September? Well, hopefully they make a run in August and then they get interesting and there's stuff to write about in September is where they turn it on and charge into the postseason race. Now it's September uh, 2nd and I'm thinking, all right, uh, Lewis Brinson, uh, what you got? Uh, how's his fielding? Uh, he was a former top 100 prospect, all the tools in the world. He could never hit. And it's talking about the Mendoza line. And now it's, I, I want to see guys like that. I just want to see, okay, show me what you got. Give me, uh, bring unto me your, uh, uh, Stuart Fairchilds and Luke Williams and Kevin Padlows and maybe not Dixon Machados, but you know what I mean? Just, just give, let's just cycle through these guys. See if there is anything that resembles any thing. I don't know. That's where we're at in September. You know, Lewis Brinson has compiled 3.4 war in his career. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's making a mark. It's it's negative 3.4 war, but <laughs> at least he's doing something. You know, at least he's 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 doing something to, to change his environment. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's it, it's tough. I mean, the guy's a 199 career hitter. He's had over a thousand major league plate appearances. Uh, he's having some, a pretty good season at, at AAA. Uh, and, but he's had, you know, decent seasons at AAA before. I, I can only think that this is a, hey, we need somebody who can play. <laughs> we need right. somebody who's actually going to be able to be in the lineup every day. And I don't know if they're if they're you know looking at him as someone they could catch lightning in a bottle with, or there's some secret they could unlock that no one else has. I mean, Zach Manassian is the Giants' pro scouting director. He was in Milwaukee for a lot of years, so he knows Brinson very very well. I, I got to imagine that this move doesn't happen without him uh, sort of saying, you know, look, hey, this this guy's worth an investment of some of a little bit of playing time. So. Um, yeah, not not the outfielder we thought they were going to call up um, uh, to their 40-man roster, but they still could make some more moves. Austin Slater could still go on the injured list. They could still find other ways to get Elliot Ramos up or, or other people they want to look at. So, uh, but yeah, it's some teams call up you know their Corbin Carrolls and their prospects, and the Giants are uh, kind of dumpster diving other other teams you know, AAA affiliates, and it's kind of been. It's kind of been what we've seen all year, and um, and I I think dare say that it can't be this way next year. Yeah, it is. It's wild because last year when they had the September call-ups, and like you said, it's only a couple. It's not you can't just expand and take forty uh, players up and and have a, a traveling circus. It's it's much more muted now. But last year there was a oh you know it, this is a strategic who who are they going to take? Who are they going to fit into this roster that's charging in uh, in this divisional race? Now I, it, no one is exciting when that they can call up. You're not excited. You look at the stat sheet. You're not excited about Elliot. 
Sergio Ramos. You're not excited about Sean Jelly. You're not excited about most of the guys they can call up, barring some weirdo surprise Kyle Harrison call up. You're just, they're just guys. They're just guys. Even Lewis Brinson, he's just a guy right now. And you're not excited about him. And to this end, uh, ESPN, uh, Kyle McDaniel just ranked the organizations, uh, they're all their cores. The headline is, which teams have the most talent locked up? Ranking all 30 MLB cores. And I'll just have you guess, where do you think the Giants rank out of all 30 teams when it comes to players locked up, young cores? This includes prospects, major league talent. Where do you think they rank? Ooh, core strength. Uh, never been my forte. Um, yeah, in, in real life, uh, I have a six-pack. It is uh, in my refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I got to think they're way down the list. I got to uh-huh. think they could be at the bottom of the list. Um, I mean, y- y- yeah, you look at cores, you got, you know, Brandon Crawford's here for one more year. But after that, I mean, Tyro Estrada, who, who's the next member of the core? Mikey Stremski? Uh Yeah, I, I got to think they're easily bottom five. I'll just go ahead and say 30. They're number 30. You're close. They're 28th. They're 20th. Okay. The, the Nationals are below them. The Rockies are dead last and 30th. Uh, but yeah, it's it, he groups them into you have elite, above average, and solid. And he puts Logan Webb as above average. I think he would be closer to that fringe of elite, above average. Uh, but you know, it's after that, you have solid with Alec Cobb and, and Joey Bart. And you don't exactly know what you're going to get from Luciano yet. And you go down the list. I don't know. This in, in September hits at home because you're not well. The season's a wash, but at least we get to watch uh, watch Elliot Ramos, and he's just not hitting, and he hasn't hit all year, and and all of the prospects up at the top, it you're not excited to watch them. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? We are contractually obligated to watch them and to write about them and to cover <laughs> this them. <is> true. <laughs> so, so how are we going to do this? How are we going to uh, to um, you know create some compelling content around this team for a month? I'm I'm literally asking you on the, in front of everyone on this podcast. I'm asking you, how are we going to do this, buddy? I was uh, hoping you would tell me. Oh no, I was, <laughs> I was hoping for secrets because I look at the the players on the forty man roster who are in AAA right now, and there's a ton of them actually. There's your mean Mercedes. There's Pat Mazika, Ford Proctor, Jason Vossler, Ellie Ramos, Bryce Johnson, Thomas Zipucky, Sean Jelly, Jonathan Bermudez. I don't necessarily want to see any of them. Like I don't, I don't know how I would watch a game and focus on these players. It's just, it's, it's going to be a tough sell. Uh, please subscribe and tell your friends to subscribe. <laughs> right. I mean, so you know, Andy McCulloch uh, knows Farhan Zaidi pretty well from their time together in. Los Angeles. And uh, um, Andy wrote, you know, the definitive Farhan Zaidi feature, which is the fantasy football feature, mm-hmm. um, which I think probably describes, gives you the, the core in, window into Farhan better than any other feature has. Um, and and so the first thing Andy told me when the Giants hired him was he's going to take the back half or the back 30 or 40 man roster and just wipe it out and start <laughs> over. And he's going to be juggling that all year. Perfect, perfect uh, advice. It's exactly what happened. Now I look at the back half of that forty-man roster, and I'm like, "Do it again, buddy." <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it looks like it's ready to be flushed out and start it, start again. And you know that that's I guess the positive is that you have you know you have the flexibility to go out and sign people and add people without you know maybe jet, jettisoning someone that you really don't want to jettison. But yeah, it's it just feels like there's been a lot of soft shoe here uh, without um, uh, you know without really moving forward and. Uh, and that's tough because we're, you know, we're through year four of this administration. And and I think that um, the inputs from the farm have just not 
they haven't moved in a linear path, a uh, linear progression toward the big leagues. And doesn't mean there hasn't been progress. Doesn't mean there aren't people to be excited about, but they're not people to be excited about right now. And I think all Giants fans could use someone to be excited about right now. Yeah, and what you could do as far as content is you could pivot to uh, anniversary content with 2012 being 10 years ago, and you can start talking about, uh, I don't know, Barry Zito's bunt and Marco Scudero looking up at the rain and and all these milestones along the way. But I, I got to think, if I'm reading the room, Giants fans aren't necessarily excited about nostalgia like they might have been. I think that ship has sailed a little bit. There was a lot of great fun with the 2010 team. Um, trying to remember that. Of course, there's a pandemic that wiped that out. But at some point, Cubs fans stopped saying, hey, remember 1908? That was awesome. <laughs> that was that was wild. Everyone remembers that. And at some point, they just started holding their nose and going, okay, this isn't fun anymore. It was a little bit different because the Cubs actually won a bunch of pennants after that for a while in the 30s and, and early 40s. Uh, but yeah, at some point, you just want to hear Barry Zito, Marco Scudero. It, it's not as fun. Yeah, boy, 1908 was fun, wasn't it? It would have been even more fun if we had penicillin. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I wonder how long they the Cubs bathed in 1908 before. I, probably maybe around the mid-70s, they probably said, you know what, we haven't won in a while. Um, but uh, I will yeah. say that I grew up hearing Tinker to Evers to Chance. So, I mean, if I heard it as a kid, it, it lasted decades to hear about that season. Must have been a total earworm back in the day. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure it was. But, um, you know, I, I wrote some nostalgia stuff this year. Certainly Matt Cain's perfect game, I thought, was uh, sure. um, a really cool, really cool thing to look back on. Um, just like Jonathan Sanchez's no hitter was in, in 2019, uh, the 10 year anniversary of that. Um, and but yeah, you're right. I think uh, we had the moment with the 2012 team. It was really cool to see everyone come back together. Uh, obviously, you know, I think everyone sort of uh, mourned collectively for what Tim Lincecum has gone through to, mm-hmm. to understand that and have that come to light. Um, but uh, you know, there's always going to be some kind of anniversary, some kind of thing to look back on. And you know, we should, we should. Um, it's not just a distraction to you know, mark anniversaries and look back on those kinds of moments. Because, I mean, I think about, you know, me growing up as a baseball fan and, and I think about, you know, the uh, when Dwight Smith passed away uh, this year. And I remember Dwight Smith getting the hit uh, to complete the Cubs comeback against the Astros and from like a nine run deficit. And that, that was the game they would show in every rain delay for time eternal on WGN for years and years and years um, was just the, the, the late innings of that game. And so it's, it's fun to think back on, on sort of those indelible games. And you know what? We've had a few of them this year too. I mean, the Jock Peterson three homer game was as, as good as any Giants regular season yes. game I've seen. We had a walk-off Grand Slam that we saw this year. I mean, there have been, for for everyone who says this has been the least entertaining Giants team they've ever watched, I mean, they're certainly entitled to that opinion. I think that it's it's on the list of, of the most boring Giants teams. But I think there have been seasons that have offered less than than what this season has offered um, Giants fans on the whole. And that doesn't mean it's a satisfying experience. But, um, you know, I I think there have been some pretty darn cool moments this year, too. Yeah, and I I would agree with that. And I I there have been seasons to cover that have been a lot duller. Uh, you know, you don't have to go list them, but before Tim Lincecum showed up, it, it was, Giants weren't that exciting. They had Barry Bonds, and that was it. And then there was that year that Barry Bonds was hurt, and that really stunk. Uh, I just I think the perception is colored a lot by the heightened expectations entering this year. I know that I assumed that the Giants were going to make the postseason. I 
didn't necessarily see a path where they didn't make the postseason. And if you had told me before the season, hey, they uh, aren't going to make the postseason, I would think, wow, you know, you must have had a couple of wildcard teams that really went after it and won 95 games or something. So the expectations play into this a lot. This is not just a team that is struggling relative to those expectations. You have those expectations and then they're just objectively bad, especially towards the last half of the season. The whole season seemed much worse than it's actually been. And you combine that with what the opening day payroll was, the lowest since mm-hmm. 2013, which is, it's not like spending money is a magic wand and it, you know, it's going to uh, solve all your problems. You know, the Texas Rangers spent a lot of money this past off season and they're going to be picking in the top 10 picks in the draft. But I think that they set themselves up for fan dissatisfaction by not spending more money in the offseason. And they did spend money. I mean, they, they spent, I think, you know, I forget where they ranked in terms of offseason dollars committed, but, you know, it was in the top 10 and it might have even been in the top like seven or six because of all the pitchers that they signed. But you don't think about it because, you know, Di Scalfani's back, you know, Woods back, etc. cetera. Uh, but, you know, they also had Buster Posey's contract come off the books. And, and so, you know, Carlos Rodon wasn't that big of an expenditure. They just moved Buster's money over to, to Rodon, basically. But they set themselves up for fan dissatisfaction if they went sideways this season because, you know, they could have spent more and they didn't. And that was a choice that they they made organizationally. And, um, you know, they could say that they just didn't see the opportunities there that were worth spending more money. But the fact is they didn't spend that money. So I think it's fair game to not necessarily call them out for it, but for that to color your disappointment. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I go back and forth with that because, A, they did get a production out of the free agents that they did sign. I think Alex Cobb was a very cagey signing. Carlos Rodon's been great. Uh, Jock Peterson has had a really weird season, but it's it's uh, been a productive season overall. Uh, and if I look at this roster and I say, what could make the 2022 Giants season worse? Uh, it would be the 2022 Giants season with also thinking about paying Marcus Simeon $200 million or Nick Castellanos. You looking at this roster with a contract albatross would be such a drag. At the same time, I, I think the Giants should have signed Max Scherzer. They would be wasting him. He wouldn't have fixed all of this. Uh, so I, I go back and forth, but the perception is key. And yeah, I agree. That was the offseason that everyone had circled for a long time, that all these contracts are coming off the books, and here come the Giants' major players. Uh, it's just a bad look overall. Yeah, and and now, um, you know, Farhan goes on KNBR. I was listening uh, yesterday when he was on with... Um, uh, Adam and, and Tom and uh, said that they've had discussions already with Jock Peterson with his agent. They'd love to have him back next year. 
Um, he's from here. He's played well. He was an all-star for us. And, uh, you know, uh, he basically his overall numbers look good. There was about a two and a half month stretch where he did almost nothing. <laughs> um, you know, they, they know how to use him. They know that he's uh, not someone they want to face lefties. Uh, I guess in the right context, he, he would be a valuable player next year. But then he also says, um, you know, Mike Yastrzemski, it's been a down year for him. He's been frustrated. Um, he still brings intangibles on the table. Great defensive player. We view him as part of this team going forward. And I know he's as motivated as anybody to come back strong next year. And, and I do think that, um, you know, he's probably going to get closer to $5 million in arbitration. Uh, and he's still, you know, close to a two-war player. So he's probably worth it. He's probably worth that salary. But I, I can just, I can hear the consternation, uh, like like crickets in the background, uh, from Giants fans saying, what, what are you talking about, buddy? You want to run it back again? Um, and I don't think that's what he's saying. But, I th- that, yeah, I, I think that there's a there's a thought that, hey, we just need to, you know, move along with a whole new roster. You just can't do that in one offseason. So, you know, I, I do think Yastrzemski will be back next year. I'm not sure if the Jock Peterson talk is more lip service than anything else. But, um, you know, they they they, they clearly want him back uh, unless you know if you take him at their words so i thought that was very interesting i did do you think and i guess we should probably not uh ask each other our story ideas on the air so to speak because uh i don't know but do you think anyone cares if i write about jock peterson coming back do you think is that it would that be a hot would that just be a, a, an invitation for people to yell at me in the comments i don't know i mean there are times when i'll think about writing something and i'll be like you know what i don't want to invite the toxicity that's going to come with this so um which is you have to write critically you have to when 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 the team is not playing well um it doesn't mean that there are some people who just want us to just thump the team and just rip them and that's not really what we do um you know i think we can write critically about them without you know being like like you know to rip them for the sake of ripping them it's just like why, why is that a part of your fan experience that you want that but um so i don't get it but i do get the frustration you know, my uh, my dad met someone who uh, was a reader of ours, and he said that he enjoyed uh, the way that both of us were able to shine a light on what was going wrong without being without banging a drum and, and lighting torches and pitchforks, and and that we were very professional. And if we had criticism, that we could uh, lay it out there. And he really enjoyed that. So I think it gets across that we can say this kind of not working. This isn't uh, so hot without being mean or these guys are dummies or being uh, too too reactionary i think i think we towed that line a little bit i'm trying to imagine a lit pitchfork now that that would be pretty a badass weapon right there i drew it from uh, coffee chronicles i had a prototype i did an ms paint it was a torch fork where you nice. had uh, a lit pitchfork and it was a it was one of my very very best pieces of art i'll have to show it to you <laughs> and and it's uh, i actually have that tattoo already on my on my forearm <laughs> I have to roll up my sleeve and show it to you. And speaking of McCovey Chronicles, you mentioned Adam Copeland. Uh, he, I'm in a fight with him because uh, he told me, he said, oh, man, I've been reading your stuff since high school, and I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that a lot, too. Um, That's rude. No, don't tell me that. Just you're, Everyone's the same age as me. I've been writing. Uh, I'm, I'm still youthful. You don't tell me stuff like that. Yeah, when you get to, when you get to the point where you're, you're covering players and you covered, like, their parents or... <laughs> or, um, or someone says, you know, I grew up reading you. And I'm like, you're in your 30s. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, it, it is kind of funny. Time marches on. 
And you know what the hardest part for me is uh, getting older is that when I was writing and I would mention something like Jose Vizcaino playing first base, that was important to me because it was such a bad idea. He was 38 years old. He had a middle infielder's bat and he played a lot of games at first base and it bothered me. But if I mention it now, nobody knows. Nobody cares. Even if you're an adult with a kid and a mortgage, you're not going to know that Jose Vizcaino played first base and you're not going to care. And so I feel like I've lost those arrows from my quiver. And I don't like that either. No, here's what you do. So, you know, the other day, the the lights uh, are not sufficient. They have to pause the game for 40 minutes. So I made a dandy Don Meredith reference in my in my story. <laughs> and I even said Monday Night Football viewers of a certain age. And you know what? All these kids with all the references that you don't get, and everyone's got this sly sense of humor on Twitter, and half the time I don't know what people are talking about. <laughs> Guess what, buddy? I can flex right back at you and make references from the 70s, and you have no idea what they're about. But I'm cool <laughs> because I do. And the people who get it are cool, too. And I've said this before, maybe on this podcast, I don't know, but I am so blessed, so lucky that the one pop culture thing that I dove into and dedicated my life to, The Simpsons, still gets play today. You can still (laughs) find people, like if I'm quoting Mad About You episodes, nobody knows what I'm talking about. Even the niche ones, like news radio, but I picked The Simpsons and boy, am I blessed for that because people still get those. I think I probably make a reference to Hollywood Upstairs Medical College at least <laughs> at least twice a month in my entire sports writing career. You know, Brandon Bell is he's probably going to go for knee surgery, and you know I didn't go to Hollywood Upstairs Medical College, but but I do know. You know so the meniscus is funny. I actually had a Hollywood Upstairs Medical College shirt, and it was done in that college font where it just says Hollywood Upstairs Medical College. Uh, but because it was unofficial and I bought it off of like Cafe Press or something, it lasted two washes uh, ah. before disappearing. But a great shirt. I have, have an actual a collection of niche Simpsons reference shirts, which is not ideal, I guess. Oh, well, well tell me, what, what, are, what are some of them? Uh, I have a, a Gudger College shirt. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> It's also in that, uh, and the other ones are escaping me, and that's driving me nuts because I know I have at least one more. Uh, Do you but have, I have Bovine Bovine University? No, I should. That is yeah. something I should get. Uh, I have a Mr. Show shirt where it's uh, I Survived the Devastator. Uh, I love <laughs> shirts where nobody gets it except for like 1% of 1% of the population. And I those are the shirts I like. Um, you know, like uh, uh, what's the what's the restaurant where Michael Corleone uh, shoots the police captain? Is that uh, um, Louis? Uh, Louis. Okay. okay. Uh, I have a shirt, uh, Louis Italian American Restaurant, like stuff like that. I love those. You Ooh. have to think about it. Shirts. At one point, I had a Satriali's Pork Store t shirt from uh, from the Sopranos. Sopranos, uh, yeah, I that's don't, good. I don't know what happened to that though. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where that went. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's the kind of shirt where you realize that there might be one person out of the ten thousand people in in. O'Hare International Airport that is going to stop and point at you because they get the reference. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. The The shirt that I would wear on uh, Giants Outsiders that every time people would just flip their wig over, and it is one of the prizes of my collection, is my 2002 World Series champion shirt. Uh, it, I, I got it on eBay. I got <laughs> oh, no. it on eBay. Oh, no. Yeah, it is like a giant, and it's so, like, it's done in the 2002 graphic design is my passion, and it just, it's an ugly, ugly shirt, but it is San Francisco Giants 2002 World Champions, and it brings me such joy to own that shirt. I just live in my own alternate reality, and no, they won. They won. I have the shirt. 
Yeah, sorry, Scott Spezio. Just go, go, <laughs> go, go play with Sand Frog. Go play another Sand song. Sand Frog. Yeah. I looked for a Sand Frog shirt. I really did. Oh wow, I, they could not find one. I could not find one. I'm tempted quite often to buy one of the T-shirts from the Mister Super Seventy Sports Guy on Twitter because they're, they're, he has some good ones. He really does. Does he? I have a I have a Camp North Star T-shirt from uh, the movie Meatballs. Uh, that's a good one. That um, is a good one. That is a good yeah. one. Uh, I had a Lambda 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 shirt uh, that from from Revenge of the Nerds, uh, but I threw that out because I am anti Revenge of the Nerds. That movie did not age well. Uh, no. That movie is as canceled as canceled gets, and like not in a react like that. That movie's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the Porky's movies they didn't really age too terribly well, did they? I do not. Uh, I do not feel like I'm being overly squeamish when I say canceled for those. I don't feel like a, a knee jerk liberal. I feel like a, a like just a real like a, yeah. That's what needs to happen. Yeah, let's be respectful. Like my mom would tell me every day when I leave the house: make good choices and be respectful. Now this is about what? What do you say about five minutes without talking about the Giants? Six, seven, eight. Yeah, we got four. We got four minutes left, and we could end it here. But you know what? I'm actually having fun. I I want to know. I want to know because you're a Simpsons ophile. What yes. is your number one Simpsons episode, and and how do you define it? Like, how do you define See, your criteria? I have not shared this with Twitter or the general population. I've always Ooh. meant to, but during Ooh. the lockdown, during the lockdown, uh, I had a, a friend of mine, or like a host, uh, arrange a Simpsons tournament where we all watched <gasps> a Simpsons episode and we all voted uh, on it, and it went down all the way down. And there were, and it was a good cross section because you would have some people who they would vote for the season nine episode, or they would vote for this, and they would vote for that, and they would come out left field and they were not as uh, persnickety as perhaps I was and when it came down to it it was uh, last exit to Springfield which is commonly known as the labor union episode that took it Mm. in a romp and that is kind of the consensus best episode when you look at rankings on the internet. And we didn't talk about it, but as it got whittled down and whittled down, Labor Union. That is my favorite uh, going in and that's what the group decided on. And what what is the best line, the best line in that episode, if you had to pick one? Oh, gosh. Uh, I am trying to think. I'd, I'd love uh, Lisa playing her folk ditty outside of the power plant. And it's a catchy <laughs> ditty. And then you have Mr. Burns up top doing the Grinch kind of. He's he's uh, he's doing the, the Grinch satire. And I love that, that whole bit. Uh, but I also just like, where's my burrito? Where's my burrito? And that's mm-hmm. where he got the that scar. So um, I love that episode. I, I, you know, when when I think there's so many great lines, but for whatever reason, the one that pops in my head first as one that just makes me laugh every time I even think about it is, and I don't even know what episode this is in, but it's um, it's Disco Stew, and he puts his platform <laughs> shoes up on like a desk or whatever, and Homer just sort of says, um, "Your fish are dead," and he's got fish swimming in the, the his platform shoes. And he says, yeah, I know I can't get him out of there. <laughs> just, just makes me laugh every time I think about it. That is pretty good. That is pretty dumbest, good. I, dumbest thing. I mean, I just, it, was that really a thing, the fish in the shoes? Because I know that uh, I'm going to get you, sucker. I don't had, know. Had that. That was, a, that was in I'm going to get you, sucker. And that was like a, 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 seeing that blew my mind. That was like the coolest, wow, he has actual fish in his shoes. But was that actually a thing or was that invented by I'm going to get you, sucker? I, I might have been. I don't know. But let's hope it didn't become a thing because, you know, the poor fish. That fish let's, don't deserve Let's that. bring it back. Let's bring it back. Let's, um, do, uh, 
Who would yeah. show up in the press box with those shoes? Who's the likeliest uh, other than Andres Torres? Oh, uh, well, I think you just named it. It's it's Andres Torres. And <laughs> and and I just saw him the other day. Uh, you know, we, we have that little walkway in front of the press box and uh, and people will pop up here and there, uh, you know, uh, friends or, or, you know, uh, uh, sometimes it's former players or scouts or whatever. They'll you know, just pop up and say hello. Saw Lance Necro a few weeks back. And then obviously it was great to connect with him since he was Von Brown's uh, coach in, in college. Mm-hmm. So I talked to him a little bit later. Um, and uh and so, you know, Andres Torres pops up the other day, and he's wearing basically a, a jacket that's made of multiple pythons, I think. <laughs> Probably multiple pythons lost their lives to make this this jacket with these huge lapels. And um, and uh, he, he gave uh, another sports writer a hug uh, earlier in the day. And I said, you know what? That's it's almost like you experience what it's like to be squeezed by a python and survive. Um, you basically have have that life experience now. And I, he sat right in front of us, and I thought, oh, I would I would give ten bucks to watch him like catch a foul ball right now and hold it up and everyone cheer him. I I would I would love to see that. So yeah, Andres Torres would definitely be the guy who'd have the fish shoes. I think such a force of positivity. Uh, he he has given me a hug, uh, and I have to say that. Sh- he smells like he dresses, and I mean that in the best possible way. That he has uh, not just a cologne, but it's 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 like a vibrant cologne, and uh, he's just he's just the goodest goodest. He's just the best dude. And uh, when I was watching TV the other day, or watching TV, watching the Giants game, and he p- appeared, you know, I just do the Lucille Bluth, oh, like like with Gene Parmesan. Like every time I see him, I just clap, and it, I, he's wearing something cool, and it's just, it, I, I really, really enjoy him. He's one of the best, if not the best, uh, random championship contributor that any team has ever had, I would guess. Now consider this. We've just talked about how you can't play nostalgia all the time. You can't play the hits all the time. The Giants won a World Series and had Andres Torres and Juan Uribe on the same roster. I'm sorry. Mm. We're playing back the hits. We're remembering that. That was great. That's those are vibes. Those are vibes. And uh, I, when I mentioned that I enjoyed seeing him on the telecast, someone responded to me, uh, uh, Dave from at GG Giants, uh, that he goes to Andres Torres goes to Blue Bottle Coffee a lot in San Mateo. And the last time that Dave saw him, he was not wearing shoes and he did not drive there. So you just imagine Andres Torres walking barefoot to get a coffee, and I love that. It's so pure. Well, you know, we we saw his workout videos when he was a player. Um, you know, he'd be back home. The tires. And, and he'd be flipping these giant, huge tractor-trailer tires, and yeah. he'd be shirtless, barefoot, in jeans, flipping <laughs> tires. I love it. I love it. So Nobody else. Good. Nobody like him. Only one. All right. Well, we made it through. We got through episode 210. Uh, We talked a little, Giants. Sorry about that. There should have been a content warning. But for the most part, uh, listen, we got a little nostalgia in, some pop culture references. I think we we handled ourselves well. What do you think, Annie? We got to do two of these a week, all season long. So, yes, (laughs) permit us, permit us a little, let us color outside the lines a little bit. Let us explore the space. Give us that. Give us that, please. Well, we are not doing two next week because of travel and holiday. We will be back next Tuesday to do a podcast, and that will be our only podcast of the week. Uh, We will... What will we talk about? We'll talk about... That's How the Giants know. faced against the Dodgers. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>